for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings shall be not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. You, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Episode 284 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halsberger Cart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're here to talk about Star Wars. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? <coughs> uh, you know, keeping it together. Despite That's good. everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Mm. This is crazy. This is crazy. This I just crazy. think of Chevy Chase clapping his hands before he get in the pool. <laughs> this is crazy. This is crazy. Oh boy. Um so we uh surprisingly we got some stuff to talk about this week. It was pretty well timed, I feel, that just after Mandalorian season two ends. We sort of launched this whole new era of Star Wars fiction with The High Republic, which I jumped into this week. Um, I'm only about halfway through the audiobook of Light of the Jedi, which is like, you know, one of the first books they released. So we're not going to be getting into any details. I'd rather wait until I finish to sort of fill you in on what's going on, if that's cool. Right. But that doesn't mean we don't have a lot of other high republic stuff to talk about including some high republic stuff that could lead to some uh duty speculating oh boy oh our favorite and uh, we also got some murmurs about that uh kevin feige star wars movie um oh boy. that i was trying to think of it today because i think the news actually dropped today um I was trying to think when that was first sort of announced and talked about, and it wasn't last year as in 2020. I'm pretty sure it was 2019, like shortly before episode nine came out that those first rumors came out and there hasn't been much since. And, you know, we even kind of wondered, did a little bit of cock duty speculating on whether the Taika Waititi movie was the one that Kevin Feige was going to produce um, you know, just because of their previous association through Marvel and stuff. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, anyways, we'll get that to that in a little bit. Oh, my goodness. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll hear from you guys, of course. 
as we like to do around here. Here from the good old moisture farmers. <clears throat> so how's your week been, buddy? You know, besides everything. Ian, it's been good. You know, I can't complain. Things are settling down after Christmas. I still yeah. have some Christmas decorations to pull down, but, you know, things are back in schedule. When you were a kid, did the Christmas decorations ever end up staying up way too long? A couple Christmases, yeah. 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 I remember, it wasn't often, but I definitely remember one Christmas where my sister's birthday was coming around, which, you know, was in February. And my parents yeah. were like, oh, shit, we're going to have people over for Amanda's birthday. We should take down the Christmas tree. And okay. that was like the impetus to take down the Christmas tree. So I, my mom, you know, lives down on the coast. Right. And so she keeps it up and makes it a Mardi Gras tree. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, she redoes it. You know, we have a neighbor. So you know how our street is, you know, the corner right by the stop sign. The the neighbor that's right across from that stop sign has an amazing front yard slash side yard set up for Christmas. But not just Christmas. Valentine's Day. Like every conceivable every holiday. Yeah, man. And they do it up big time. And I think they do a similar thing where they just reconfigure things to be more in theme with whatever holiday it is. Like they have a big Halloween thing. Right. They have a Thanksgiving thing. They have a like I said, you know, Easter. They do it up for all of them. I keep meaning I kept meaning to take a picture because this year it seems like it grows a little bit every year, but this year was really impressive. And I wanted yeah. to uh, send some pictures to our buddy Chris Fresh since he's like such a big Christmas guy. That would be great. So, dude, my wife loves Christmas. You and know, so do I. So, I do like, too. She goes big. Like next, whenever we can, we'll have you and Jesse over for that Christmas, and uh, she goes all out with the decorations. That's and awesome. And you know, I cook a bunch at christmas time yeah i mean you know i really like it too obviously this year was such a weird year that it, of course it just felt hard to even get into the spirit you know what i mean because there's just yeah. this sort of base level anxiety about doing anything for christmas for me it was like last minute like the yeah. christmas spirit really kicked in like you know the week before christmas yeah and you know. my job has been kicking my ass this winter we're like I worked till 3 a.m. on Thanksgiving. Like, yeah. we got home from Mississippi, and I worked till 3 a.m. And then watched The Mandalorian and went to bed. Like, I worked that late on Christmas Eve. I worked some on Christmas. Like, my job's been kicked. So I haven't gotten, like, a any day off for any of these holidays. You know what I mean? So right. that's also kind of put a damper on feeling, like, in the mood. Because normally at least get a, a day off. Right afternoon, you know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> and just all that stuff. So, you know, I'm looking forward to next year's, or I guess this year's. That's going to take some getting used to. This year's holidays, because hopefully things will be a little more festive and I'll feel a little more in the mood. But I'm someone who, like, it gives me a little bit of anxiety, but I also really like figuring out the perfect gift for somebody for Christmas. You know what I mean? Right. I like paying attention throughout the year. And then like one of my favorite things is with Jesse's side of the family, we do like, uh, we draw names, right? 
Like, is, right. there, is there, you know, I don't know if there's like a fancy term for that, but we draw names and like, I always hope I get Keith because a lottery. Yeah. Like a Christmas lottery. Keith likes video games. And after knowing Keith for nine years now, I kind of have a good idea of what video games he likes. So that becomes the mission. Like what I got to find the perfect game that Keith is going right. to like. So I don't know. A little bit of a side there. Um, you know what, what Jesse and I have been doing this week? What's that? Tearing through Cobra Kai on Netflix. Oh my goodness. Yeah, they, they put... So wax we watched, on, wax off, huh? We watched season one a couple of years ago when it first came out. And, you know, it was part of, like, the YouTube subscription service. Right. And then I just never resubscribed to YouTube to watch season two. And then they finally put season one and two on Netflix and now season three. And we tore through all three seasons in, like, four days, basically. And That's cool. I don't know that there has ever been a more hotly debated show in our history. We get into some serious, not angry, you know, not like, but like there's some hardcore Cobra Kai debates going on. What about? <laughs> that, well, I don't want to spoil it for you because I want you to watch it, but there's a certain character in Cobra Kai that I cannot stand. Can't stand. Hmm. One of my least favorite characters in television history. And I'll be excited to see if I'm able to pick him out. Oh, I think you will be her. able to. It's pick me character out. It's a he. It's a he. It's a he. I'll, I'll give you that hint. <clears throat> but uh, Jesse really likes the character and and sort of their arc through the first three seasons. So it's gonna be. Uh, I'll be interested to see. Don't hold back. If you end up if you pick out the character and you end up liking them, I feel like I will be fairly in the minority on this. Right. So. I'll tell you straight up. You know me. Mm-hmm. I don't sugarcoat it. All right. So you want to jump in? Oh, well, what's funny? Uh, I'll, one final funny anecdote about Cobra Kai. The other day, um, you know, I had to get up early for work, and she was like, do you want to go like lay in bed and watch an episode of Cobra Kai before we fall asleep? And I was like, hell yeah. That's when you know Jesse's into a show. Yeah. So the episode ends, and then we end up laying in bed debating Cobra Kai for the next 35, 45 minutes. And she goes, you know what I just realized? And I go, what's that? And she goes, I didn't realize how formative Karate Kid was on you. Like, I didn't realize how important Karate Kid was into your formative years. And I was like, oh, really? You know I've told you the story about the goddamn karate headband and me taking Taekwondo for three years because yeah. of Karate Kid. You got me a blood sport. I was way into Karate Kid and blood sport as a kid. Yeah. That's what I need uh, Netflix to do next is the sequel series to blood sport. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, You think Jean-Claude Van Damme would do it? I don't know, man. He's been in two what pretty. What else has he got going on? He's been in two pretty mediocre kickboxer reboot movies. Really? So, yeah. I think more more than anything, it would be like he, him and anybody else involved not wanting to work with old fake ass Frank Dukes more Frank than Dukes. you know not wanting to do the show. No fan to the fire. Yeah. Anyways, um, so. Uh, if you like us, if you enjoy the show, where we, I promise, we do talk about Star Wars. 
you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You can like us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. That's where we get all of our voicemails and emails and stuff. If if you ever wonder how you get in and get part of the show, that's how you, you do it. Blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and we have a Patreon. If you want to support us for as little as $3 a month and get access to an exclusive RSS feed where we post all of our bonus shows, of which there are quite a few. Uh, Podula Rasa, Masters of Harvest Kasi, Cooking with Will, Halls, oh no, it's Hall Solo, Jaws, Star Wars Year by Podcast, Blue Harvest Adventures, so on and so forth. You can find those all at patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast and a big shout out to all our current patrons you guys are the best so buddy yes now that i got the uh miyagi go uh business out of the way let's talk about a little star wars let's talk about the wars um so as i was mentioning it was back in 2019 where we got the first inklings, the four first rumors that Kevin Feige, sort of one of the main masterminds behind the MCU, was interested in producing a Star Wars movie for Lucasfilm. And we haven't really producing. heard much of him. Yes, he's, well, he's not a director. You know what I mean? He's, right. you know, he's a producer. Um, he knows people. Producers are like, they know people in the industry. They have meetings. They get things done, right? Buddy, I think it's probably sort of different from case to case. I feel like a guy like Kevin Feige is much more hands-on than that, obviously, yeah. uh, given as much credit as he's he gets for the MCU stuff. Yeah. But I'm also not going to pretend to know. You know, okay. exactly the duties of a producer or an executive producer. Well, because once, you know, once a like, I feel like the director is really important, you know, while the filming is happening. But I feel like as a film overall in pre-production, post-production, after, before and after the director has touched it, like it's it's in the producer's hands, right? Like they make them, they produce the movie. Yeah, and and it's very clear that like, when it comes to Kevin Feige, like um, a lot of the feel of the MCU has to do with him sort of like um, guiding the movies along their path. And I think a lot of times when, you know, because we always talk about like, oh, so-and-so left their Star Wars project, when there's been quite a few that have done the same on the MCU side of things. Right. You know, I think... Um, sort of most famously was Edgar Wright who was going to do Ant-Man and then left over, you know, creative differences. And then right. most recently, I believe Scott Derrickson is his name. He directed the first Doctor Strange movie and was going to do the second one, but ended up backing out. And I feel like those, you know, quote unquote conflicts or conflicts of interest or whatever creative differences come between that director and Kevin Feige you know what I mean because Kevin Feige seems to be the guy that's really into the idea of like inserting stuff that ties into other movies and the big overall story 
And I, think, I was going to say the man with the vision. Yeah. The man I, with the big picture vision. Yeah. And I think like one of the, I think it's sort of known that one of the differences that uh, led to Edgar Wright leaving was that he wanted Ant-Man to be sort of a standalone thing, at least at first, that didn't really tie or have any connections to the other movies. And they were like, nah, we can't nah. do that. So. No, nah, you can't have the Avengers and no Ant-Man. He was in the Avengers. In the comics, at least. I am thirsty. Oof. Are you? Yeah, buddy. That fucking spicy chicken for dinner. Um, and, you know, uh, what was it? About a month and a half ago, we had the big Disney investors meeting or presentation where they sort of laid out large swaths of the future of Star Wars. I mean, not a whole lot of direct mention of this Kevin Feige project, right? Right. And, you know, as I mentioned before, we kind of speculated or wondered if he was involved in the Taika Waititi hiring and things like that. Well, today we got some news from Deadline, and that is that Loki executive producer Michael Waldron has been tapped to write Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie as part of a new deal with Disney. And this is what it says. Exclusive. After pinning Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and serving as head writer and exec producer on the upcoming Disney Plus series Loki, Michael Waldron is looking to stay in business with Walt Disney Studios in a big way. Sources tell Deadline that Waldron has been set to write a new Star Wars feature film that Kevin Feige president of marvel studios and chief creative officer of marvel will develop and produce for lucasfilm and disney this is just one part of a recent deal waldron signed with the studio that will keep him in business with disney for some time disney declined to comment so (laughs) that basically lays it out for us right seems like this guy michael michael waldron will be the writer at least on initially these things can change on uh, Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie. Right. Um, I was already excited for the Disney Plus Loki series that's coming out in a couple months. Me too. This is going to have me watching it even more closely because, you know, this is when a guy or, you know, a creative becomes attached to Star Wars down the road, that makes me really interested in, like, whatever they have done in the past or have coming out. So. And I gotta say I the uh, the trailer they released for that Loki series made it seem pretty fucking cool. It does. <clears throat> this also brings the question: like, is it even possible for them to keep up this idea of no theatrical Star Wars movie until twenty twenty three? Honestly, it does, right? Because. <laughs> pandemic yes related it does okay movies are a bad idea until the film industry is certain that yes. you know your one theaters are coming back right now there's honestly a shakeup in the industry where they're not sure the streaming is just going to be the way of the future you know they have to be shown that movie theaters are going to bounce back before they start making a whole bunch of movies and i think they will you know it's just this is the thing once theaters are able to like open up to f- fuller capacity and work more safely and all that sort of thing. There's a lot of catching up 
that these studios have to do with all these movies they've been holding back releasing. So yes, it is entirely feasible, entirely understandable that we don't see live action theatrical Star Wars until 2023 with Rogue Squadron from Patty Jenkins. What I meant to say more than that is, is it then feasible that we don't get another Star Wars until two years later at 2025? And then one, two years later after that at 2027? Because that's where it starts to become unfeasible to me. Because you have Patty Jenkins working on a Star Wars. You have, in Kevin, you have Taika Waititi working on a Star Wars. And now this Michael Waldron guy. Are we to believe that like Michael Waldron and Taika Waititi's movies are four to six years away at this point? I mean, I guess that's possible. It takes a while I to get them off the ground. possible to me, yeah. I just, I don't know. To me, it seems like with all this stuff in the works, you gotta, I I just think that they're going to want to take a swing at, at like yearly Star Wars again. And maybe not yearly December Star Wars, you know, because part of the reason they're so staggered, uh, you know, every two years is because of the Avatar movies releasing the opposite Decembers of the Star Wars movies. I feel like Disney thinks Disney's executive room thinks that the board thinks that part of Star Wars major criticism under their recent push has been their uh, saturation of the market. Yeah. I accelerated can... timetables for production for these movies to get them to come out close together, to rake in the revenue, you know, plan dates. And I totally get that. And they have been fairly upfront with that, both Kathleen Kennedy and Michael, I, uh, not Michael Eisner. Bobby Iger. Bobby Iger. Michael Eisner was the guy before him. Bobby Iger, Robert, Bob Iger have both said like, you know, maybe we went a little too hard, too fast with them. <clears throat> but they say that, and then they announce 10 Star Wars projects for Disney Plus. You know what I mean? Right. So it's clear that they feel like on well, the Disney Plus side of things with the success of The Mandalorian that they the can nature go- You know, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just saying the nature of the 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 medium, you know, streaming that is a market that requires saturation. Yes, constantly. and a lot of the original content content churning out constantly yeah you're totally right it it is and it's a completely different beast and you know i realized that even as much money as they spend on a season of the mandalorian it's not nearly as much as they spend on a theatrical star wars movie especially when you factor in all the marketing and things like that so you know I think I just, they're trying to maximize the bang for their buck until they can get their legs back under them for a big Star Wars movie event. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I I'm I'm interested to see how this goes. I just feel like once there's been some time between Solo not doing well and like, you know, Mandal the hype of Mandalorian and the success of Mandalorian and you know, all it really takes is a uh real strong Star Wars performance at the box office again and I think they'll take another swing at Right, yearly Star Wars, and maybe it will be staggered. One, you know, one I got a feeling Patty Jenkins is going to do a good job. I do too. You know, I I haven't heard great things about the new Wonder Woman movie, um, 
but to me though, I haven't seen it yet. Is hard. That, I mean, you know, it's hard to make a sequel better than the first one. If that makes sense. Like sometimes you can do it. Like Spider Man Two was better than Spider Man One, but uh, yeah. And well, you and know, you know, Guardians I, of the Galaxy still hard to beat the first one. What I I don't know what the fuck is going over on at Warner Brothers. There's clear there's clear issues with some of the shit they do. You know, there's there's been a lot of stories about that, and she's been really open with some of the difficulties she's had making the first two Wonder Woman movies with them. Right. So who even knows? The first one, I I remember her saying the the first one, the ending was basically created by Warner Bros. Like that was not the ending she Yeah, and that's the worst part of the movie. Where she came around, she was like, oh, I, I see where it is, you know, eventually. <laughs> but like Right. But it, it to me that's the worst part of the movie. That movie is very, very, very good up until the last twenty minutes where it sort of gets pretty bad. It yeah. doesn't ruin the movie by any means, but that last twenty minutes is pretty rough. You talking about the, the boss fight? Yeah. Yeah, the video game boss fight. Oh man, it's so not convincing to me. It takes me out of it that that guy, you know, the actor that plays, I forget his name now. I know that's very disrespectful, but uh, um, he was Professor Lupin in Harry Potter, I believe. Um, but it's very, it's not convincing that he is in that suit, that or that suit of armor or the CGI, whatever. Like you can, t- that, you're like that's not him. Like he's not. Of- Look kind of like a bad Photoshop job. That or bad CGI or, yeah, you know, the fact that I know that that actor is not that buff, you know, uh, that godly buff, you know, maybe I'm, it's my fault because I, you know, to, he doesn't have to be that crazy, insane buff to be that powerful. Does that make sense? Like he yeah. can still be that powerful without having to be that huge. Well, like, uh, <sighs> You know, not to bring it back to Marvel, but like uh, Tom Hiddleston that plays Loki, like he's an in shape yeah. guy, but he's not insanely huge. And he's, you still buy him as being a, a, god, a powerful yeah. god character, right? Right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, it is what it is. I just think when it comes to people being sort of nervous about Patty Jenkinson's involvement in Star Wars, like, I don't know that there is really any reason because it's hard to say what really went on behind the scenes with Warner brothers, given the shit she's dealt with from them in the past. Right. 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 So I don't think it's too anything too. I I gotta, I mean, and I don't want to say anything because I haven't seen it and my dad really likes it and he's the biggest wonder woman fan. That's what I was about to say. Like, um, you know, if I was looking forward to seeing Kristen Wiig's serious villain, honestly, I haven't (laughs) seen her do that before. If I was going to ask someone, what they thought of Wonder Woman 1984 would be your dad because he's the biggest Wonder Woman fan I know. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear he liked it. That's awesome. He said he's watched it twice already. The, Good. Uh, the day he bought it, he told me I've watched it twice today. And I was nice. like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. <clears throat> so besides getting a little info on Kevin Feige's uh, upcoming Star Wars movie, uh, we also got a ton of of high republic news this week high republic the whole sort of high republic initiative launched this week with you know some books the comic series launched this week i'm only about halfway into uh light of the jedi which is the charles soul book yeah and i gotta say it is 
so far are pretty fucking cool, man. If if Jedi doing heroic shit is your thing, then th- I think you would enjoy this. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I will say, I'm having a little bit of difficulty, and I've actually talked to two people who are also having the same difficulty in that I'm listening to the audio book, right? So when I listen to the book, I'm either driving for work or I am working. So sometimes, you know, I get distracted by work or something and have to go back and listen to something I miss. Just, you know, my, my concentration breaks. And normally that's not the biggest issue with a Star Wars book. Except it's a little tougher this time around because you're dealing with 99.9% all new characters, all new technology, all new, you know, a lot of new locations, right? names. And I'll be completely honest with you right now. I'm having a pretty hard time keeping everybody straight. Right. Because it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of Star Wars-y names. It's a lot of pronouns, proper nouns and names and places. Yes, and a lot of new Jedi and, and like, I'm, you know, I could maybe remember this Jedi character's name but not remember their alien species or... You're like, could you include me a J.R.R. Tolkien-style drawn map of where <laughs> we're at? Well, you know... And uh, maybe who's who. You know... Family as, lineage chart. As a kid reading... Lord of the Rings, or as an adult reading Game of Thrones, I had a similar problem where there's just so many characters and you just sort of power through it and eventually things click into place for you on right. who's who, who they're affiliated with, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like that's going to be this case too. It's just I need some more time with it. And I think I would have an easier time with it if I was actually reading and seeing the names, you know what I mean, instead right. of listening to the audiobook, But I don't have the time, man. If I'm going to enjoy a new Star Wars book, it's got to be the audiobook version, unfortunately. That makes sense. But I am digging it so far. I'm all about um, checking out this. I'm going to try and check out everything High Republic related. I don't know how successful I'll be because they announced a lot of new stuff this week. Um, sort of the biggest thing I feel that they announced was that this is going to be a story told in three phases. So, you know, we're in the first phase, which is officially titled Light of the Jedi. Phase one is Light of the Jedi. Right. Um, Phase two is going to be Quest of the Jedi. And phase three is going to be Trials of the Jedi. And, uh, you know, they said that phase one sort of lasts through next year sometime before phase two kicks off. So it looks like it's going to be the next few years that they're sort of unraveling this massive interconnected story over multiple mediums, multiple different publishing partners. And uh, it seems like it's going to be pretty fucking cool, man. I'm really excited. And to know that, you know, this all sort of, I don't know that it's going to lead to or be capped off by Alkalite, the live action show on Disney Plus. But okay. to know that there's a live action show part of Coming. Yeah, the whole High Republic thing, that just makes it even sweeter to me. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. 
<laughs> I totally agree. It, it gives me even more sort of um, personally even more like incentive to stay up on all the books and the comics and stuff if it's going to culminate in this live action show. <clears throat> now, the fact that they're doing this in three phases does make me wonder, like, if phase one isn't over until next year in 2022, and they've specified that Alkalite takes place towards the end of the High Republic era, yeah, it makes me feel like it's going to be a little bit before we get that show, right? Yeah, um, you would think. I, I if I had to guess, it will be either you know released sometime during Phase Three, or it will be after Phase Three is wrapped up. And if that's the case, shit, I don't know. I mean, what are we looking at? Like maybe twenty twenty four or something? Yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah, <clears throat> but um, there is something um, that I think you need to hear. It is maybe one of the most spicy um, uh, uh, I just I just had a major fucking brain fart. Okay. Oh, you said spiciest? One of the spiciest things from a Star Wars novel. You want to hear it? Uh, yeah. Friend of the, the podcast, Aaron Boyd, clipped this from the audiobook and it's not so if you're listening and you haven't read or listened to the book don't worry it's not right. a spoiler i wouldn't okay. wouldn't give anything away but you got to hear this you ready yeah he looked hard which he absolutely was did you hear that yeah <laughs> he looked hard which he absolutely was so like you know if <clears throat> if i had a biographer here who was observing me and writing down my reactions to the Mandalorian season two, he would have been like, he looked hard, which he absolutely was. <laughs> oh man. Uh, when he, Jesse says, you know, Hey, we should that, watch Bloodsport." He looked hard, which he absolutely was. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Uh, I'm about to get to know that clip real well. Yeah. The listeners are about to get to know that clip really well. Like, oh, hold on. Like, um, some shithead dude coming to the defense of when some shithead dude, when he sees the opportunity to come to the defense of Gina Carano, even though she's a piece of shit. He looked hard, which he absolutely was. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Um, I have been laughing about that since yesterday when Aaron sent it to me. And as, as soon as he sent it to me, that might have actually been today. It's been a long day. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm using that on the show. I'm absolutely using that on the show. You kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah, that is going to get moved to the soundboard, and the soundboard is getting hooked back up. I actually thought I was going to get a little bit of a... Maybe it's funnier to me than it is to other people. This was me when uh, Aaron sent me that clip. He looked hard, which he absolutely was. He looked hard, which he absolutely was. I didn't mean to... uh, 
<coughs> fucking play that twice in a row. But it won't be the last time. Uh, all right, we'll move on from that. That went over kind of like a fart. Not really. I mean, it's very funny. <laughs> that was very convincing. That was very funny. Um, so two of the things that they announced during... Um, <laughs> man, you know what? That's, I think that's it for the show this week. I was really <laughs> banking on that going a lot better. Dude, like, my bad. If, I feel like a, a, you know, a band that has a new song on their set list that's like, oh, the crowd's going to love it. And then they mm-hmm. play, start playing it, and like half the people in the crowd go to get beers. And afterwards, there's just one dude that's like, woo! Love that new stuff. That new album is the jam. And everybody just wants you to play the hits. It was the fucking chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water of Star Wars of of Blue Harvest sound drops, I guess. No, it's 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 appropriate. It's when it's in the right place, it's totally appropriate. Um, all right. Uh, two of the things that they announced. So they announced a lot of stuff. Two really stood out to me as part of the upcoming um, High Republic lineup that really uh, piqued my interest. Um, The first is The Monster of Temple Peak, which is a graphic novel written by Kevin Scott. He's one of the authors that's like, you know, a big part of this whole High Republic initiative. Um, Sounds like a Dungeons and Dragons adventure. It does, but you know what's cool is it is a graphic novel. It's an original graphic novel. Oh, that's which, cool. You know, we, typically when you go buy a Star Wars graphic novel, it's a compilation of like you know half a year's worth of Star Wars or Darth Vader or whatever Marvel comics. Right. This is written to be in graphic novel form. Oh, that's cool. And you know, <clears throat> I I'm all about that. I think that's gonna be cool i can't remember the last time if we've ever gotten a an original star wars graphic novel that wasn't you know a compilation of previously published singled issues and stuff right then even cooler is the edge of balance which is a manga an original manga written by justina ireland and shinya shima uh, so from what I understand, I watched the, um, the replay of the live stream they did. Justin, Ire- Justina Ireland is doing sort of the story outline and then passing that off to an established manga writer and she is going to write it. Uh, once again, I'm all about this. We've gotten manga adaptations of like Lost Stars and Leia Princesses, Princess of Alderaan. <laughs> sort of in in more recent years, but this is the first time they're doing an original manga. You know what I mean, right? So you know, it's not just. It, it seems like they're they're sort of branching out and 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 exploring some different things. And for years now, you and I have been talking about how cool it would be to see, you know, anime Star Wars, and right. now we're getting anime Star Wars and an original manga. 
Yeah. Yeah. Set in the High Republic era. Yeah. There's I used only... to say all the time how I wanted to see ancient Star Wars, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and that this, I'll be honest, doesn't necessarily scratch that itch for me. No, I mean, only... we go back a chunk. Yes, it's still cool. We are definitely seeing uh, the Jedi in a different era and a different mindset than they are in the prequels and stuff. And, yeah. you know, it, it definitely cashes in on the promise of seeing the Jedi at the height of their power, I feel like, even just halfway through the one book. I've got a lot more reading to do on stuff that's already been released. Right. Um, so that's cool. But as far as like ancient, ancient Star Wars, they're still not like hyperspace wars. Yeah. Pre, there's if some... there even still are hyperspace wars. Right. And there, there's some weird hyperspace stuff going on in light of the Jedi. Really? <laughs> but I'm i uh, I'm all about this. The one thing I need now. So we're, we're getting the live action series. We're getting books, comics, graphic novel, manga, et cetera, et cetera. Now what I need to really put the icing on the cake, to take my excitement from like a 10 to 11 about this High Republic stuff, open world RPG. Open world RPG. Because as I'm listening to this book, I can... You're writing it in your head, the mm-hmm. RPG. Yeah, not even writing it, just envisioning like how right. well they could pull this off. And right, it's right. been so long since we've gotten a Star Wars RPG. You know, we got a an action game in Jedi Fallen Order with slight RPG elements, but like a for real deal RPG, it's time. It's time. And I think this is a really good disagree. setting. Yeah. And, and I feel like, you know, you can do an action game set in the pre a new hope era with Jedi fallen order. And that's okay. But when I think of, especially more recent RPGs, there's that whole matter of like player choice and affecting the story and with your choices. And I feel like that's harder to do in the more established eras of star Wars because things are so set in stone. You know what I mean? Right. But if you do that in the High Republic era, I feel like you're a little more open and you have a little more opportunity to do that. You can't get too crazy with it because it's clear that they have this whole story sort of mapped out and and where it's going and stuff. So I I do think it would be a good fit for. And that's to me, that's the last piece of the puzzle that I want. And once if and once they announce that, watch out. Because I'm going to be quite excited for that. I mean, so will I. So, uh, breaking news. They just announced the Star Wars High Republic open world RPG. Let's get our cameras in for a live look at Halls' reaction. He looked hard, which he absolutely was. He absolutely was. All right. Uh, you want to do some voicemails and some emails? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to that. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's 
He's a big Syrian stud. He loves to split chicks with his HUD. Kitty Cockhead. To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty Cockhead. What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead. All right. What's so what's so funny? I just thought that was gonna <laughs> I hyped it up too much in my head. That sound clip was the fucking Cyberpunk 2077 of sound clips for me. <laughs> just too much pre-hype. I was like, oh. You're like, this is wonderful. Aaron Boyd, you have given me gold. I'm going to I'm gonna milk this for the next six months. <laughs> you want to hear from King Tom? King Kong. King Kong. King Tom Chansky. Let's hear what he has to say. and will um the first thing kind of not star wars related but will my kids also got the ghostbusters firehouse playmobile set for christmas and they love those things i gotta tell you i hate putting them together and this <laughs> one was just i don't know too much it was a pain in the ass to put together and the worst part was the very first thing you put together the bell our set was missing the top piece so oh, no. i don't know I just had to say that because I know you said your son uh, got one. Uh, secondly, High Republic, off to a great start. Light of the Jedi, probably among the best Star Wars books out there. Um, I, I, I love this book. It's just, there's a lot of great stuff. And, you know, I, I know, Oz, we kind of talked a little bit. You said you were digging it. I hope you still are. Um, and, yeah, I... I can't recommend that book enough but finally the, the reason i'm calling this is a question that's been kicking around in my head for a, a while to be honest I, I i i can't say i've seen anything about it but it's possible the answer is out there so you know how boba has that little digital readout on his the upper left hand portion of his chest plate what is that for i mean have, has they have they ever said what the in-universe purpose of it is because i'm sure back in you know 1978-79 that was state-of-the-art and it looked really cool um but now i gotta tell you it doesn't doesn't really look too great and and i gotta wonder if if it affects the integrity of the best car you know one well-placed blaster shot to that portion of his chest plate and i don't know, a short amount or something but i i was just wondering you know Hawes, you're the the, the Boba Fett expert, Boba Fett expert, uh, and wondering if, if you have ever seen or if you have a little bit of headcanon about it yourself. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for the great podcast. And uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Man. Man. So uh, before we get into the Boba Fett thing, um, what? Oh, God. <laughs> and he was. Absolutely Which he absolutely was. was. Um what makes these Playmobil deals so 
annoying to put together. They're tiny. They're Lego small, but like, you know, certain parts are interlocking to where they, they include this little wrench or this like placement tool to where, you know, some of the studs are like this permanent Lego thing. Like you push them in and then you snap one stud into the other and it's not supposed to come off ever again. Uh, like to like the permanent way to get the structure to stand up. Uh, I mean, it's just a son of a bitch. There's so many little parts, um, and it takes so long. And the stickers to put them on, like it's it's the it's got a garage to hold the Ecto One that has individual panels that you know you can lift the garage thing and it goes back up in the ceiling and comes back up. But each one of those panels is individual so that it flexes to open the garage you know bends um it's just it's just a pain it's kind of like a mix between ikea and lego like putting these things together uh i gotcha and his clearly didn't have a bell sometimes they have extra parts because i mean apparently they're prone to missing because you'll have extras and you're like oh i guess some people don't get everything they need of these that sucks also um and like they're not meant to last forever, but some of the bits that come with them can take some wear and tear. Like, so so the Ghostbusters proton packs have a like a little rubber cord that you know if you pull too hard you'll snap it. You know, and yeah. you just gotta be careful and delicate with all these little tiny pieces. And they're swallowable for little children, so he's only gonna get to play with this for like a year or so, and then it's gotta disappear until she's old enough not to put things in her mouth. Like. I gotcha. And they go everywhere. My, my, it's like, you know, Legos are like, you know, caltrops for you to step on. Like, <laughs> Playmobil pieces are everywhere. They're just everywhere and under everything because they're so tiny. And he doesn't want to pick them up. Like, he's very defiant about not picking them up. And I was like, and once a day, uh, we do the nightly, you got to pick everything up because I don't want to fight him all day to pick them up because they just kind of explode. Mm. Um, so. You know, this is absolutely not the answer to his question about Boba Fett's uh, chest piece. And you know the part he's talking about, sort of on the yeah, left. Yeah, the little, the little, you know, it's, it's like a, it looks like a, it looks like a meter, right? Like a armor integrity meter or a fuel meter for your jetpack or, a, you know, maybe it's counting down ammunition rounds of some part of the armor. I don't know. Maybe until you got a full flamethrower tank. I don't know. Like, well, it just looks. What it always reminded me of as a kid, and still reminds me of to till to this day, is like the timer slash clock on an oven. Uh, because when I was a kid, you know, like the little digital clock slash timer on your oven, it was like a red LED or whatever. Right. Right. Clock. The one in our house right now, which I can literally turn to left to and see right now is is the exact same it's like a red led digital readout thing <clears throat> so like every morning when i wake up at like 5 30 in the morning to go to work and i'm begrudgingly sitting in the kitchen shoveling cinnamon toast crunch into my mouth like occasionally i'll just look up at that thing i'll be like huh, that's boba fett's chest plate that's that weird thing on his chest plate. I have no idea what it was. When I was a kid, I thought it was maybe some sort of rank insignia, but just sort of the digital version. But it moves and it blinks and stuff. So I don't think that would be it. Um, 
your explanation of it being some sort of, you know, uh, uh, indicator of jetpack level or <clears throat> something like that makes as much sense as anything to me. And then while you were talking about uh, the the Playmobil stuff, I literally went online to see if I could find like a visual from the uh, like a picture, dictionary yeah, yeah, and with a explanation. By the way, it ain't on there. <laughs> oh my goodness! So that doesn't even have any answers. I the, and the things that like so the Mandalorian. Before his armor was Beskar, it was something, you know, it was something else. But there was clearly circuitry inside, you know, like there is obviously mm -hmm. technological component to the. It's just not a sheet of Beskar, right? Like, right. I think that just kind of reinforces for me. It's a little window that says oh, that this is not just armor. Like there is technology under here doing things and it was really neat to see that actually in the first season of the mandalorian before he gets his best car armor yeah you and know, like him, him having to tinker and repair and yeah and and it, what's weird is you don't really see that same element on any other mandalorians right right well now hold on, hold on. i say that but I, I will have have to have watched the other so okay Maybe I'm an idiot because I just grabbed my two latest black series, which are the Mandalorian Super Commando. That's the hot topic Mandalorian from this last season of, Man of uh, Clone Wars and the Mandalorian right. Loyalist, which are like the good Mandalorians. Right. Right. And both of these guys. Now, granted, this could be, uh, you know, just because they reuse the same mold as from like Boba Fett or something. But yeah. both of these guys have that indentation on that breast piece on that side of the the armor it's interesting and i'm almost 100 percent sure that din jaren doesn't have one though i'm gonna feel like a real dummy if i go back and watch mandalorian and i'm like there's that fucking thing well it's definitely not on his <clears throat> beskar armor right like, right i i would have to look at the old armor carefully but you know, on his on his bracers, like you know, the Din Djarin's Beskar armor is mostly just armor, but there's clearly there's technology in the wrists. You oh yeah, know, there's. I mean, I'm, I know there's technology under all of it, but I mean, like visible. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't know, man. I would love to know what that is. I it, I think it looks cool, but I just don't know what the purpose is. Yeah. I mean, it's probably one of those things that doesn't yet have a purpose. I mean... It hasn't had to. Maybe I could uh, ask Pablo Hildago about it, and he says something sar sarcastically about it, and then I have the opportunity to go cry on YouTube about it. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe that's what Pablo is mean to me about something that doesn't mean anything. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, next up, we got a voicemail from Josh. Hello there, Haws and Will. This is Josh W. It's a brand new year and I'm trying something new. I am uh, leaving you guys a voicemail instead of my usual email. So, uh, I believe in chapter 15 of The Mandalorian, we uh, first saw Boba's uh, armor with its brand new paint job. Looked pretty sweet. 
Um, so to me, the logical next step would be for Boba to give Slave One a new paint job. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking maybe some sweet flames on the side, <laughs> maybe Race an airbrush fantasy scene with a woman riding a unicorn, something like that. Uh, what would you guys like to see uh, for a new paint job um, for uh, Boba to give to Slave One? Um, interested to uh, hear your thoughts. So, um, keep up the good work. I love the pod, and may the force be with you. I don't know, man. Maybe he goes out and gets some like uh, sponsorship deals, like a you know, Ooh, like a race a car. Rap. Yeah, Taco Bell rap. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the Star Wars version of Taco Bell is, you oh, Dex, bounty. He's get he goes and gets a a, a sponsorship from Dex's diner. Yep, he's got a. Obi-Wan on the side. You know what I mean? Um, you know, death I was sticks. I was kind we of... want to sell you death oh, sticks. Yeah. He gets a death stick. Sorry. It's like the Marlboro car or some shit. Yeah. Um, I was kind of wondering if he would get it repainted as well. And I kind of think they might just, you know, in all reality, just sort of keep in line with how he repainted his armor and just do... Same scheme. Same scheme, but just, you Fresh know. Fresh death. Yeah, yeah, just repaint it. I say matte black. Which you wouldn't cool. which wouldn't look good for space fighting scenes. It'd make it real hard to see. It'd make it real creepy. Yeah, real hard to see. and uh, But it would look real, real boss when it was in ammo. I think he needs to get, like, some truck nuts. Truck nuts. Some shit nuts. I guess you would call them ship nuts. And they would have to be gigantic. Because Slave One's not a small ship. They'd be like no. truck nuts the size of a house. But you could see him dangling on the bottom edge, you know, <laughs> as it's puttering through the sky. Wah. Then he'd have to like build some kind of special device that would retract the, the truck nuts when it goes horizontal to land. Or to hyperspace. Yeah, because those things would rip Tuck right them. off in hyperspace, right? Yeah. But just imagine you're getting chased by Slave One or you're chasing Slave One and there's just a massive fucking set of truck nuts <laughs> dangling in space. I can't right now. Just fucking, just fucking green. I need a satellite to haul around my giant brass balls. Just giant army green and red truck nuts. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you saw truck nuts? Uh, probably, yeah. I remember. Probably at the Highway 8 and 51 in Grenada, Mississippi. <laughs> I remember the first time it was on a road trip with my parents. And my dad was like, what is on that car in front of us? And so I lean up, you know, to look. So I'm in the back seat. And I see him and I'm like, oh, that, that's nuts. Like, that's yeah. a that's a pair of balls on that truck. Yeah. yeah and truck But also it. not wanting to be like, yo, that's somebody's <laughs> nutsack. That's a nutsack. And just being like, I don't know what that is. That's weird. Yeah. And then my mom being like, I think that's a set of balls. <laughs> Honey. <laughs> that truck's oh. got nuts. Ugh. And then like, you know, if we go back in time for like a historical perspective on my reaction to seeing truck nuts, it would be. Which he absolutely was. Shit. Oh my he goodness. looked hard. Which he absolutely was. <sighs> Give it one more try. I don't know, man. <laughs> Cobra Kai never dies. 
<laughs> you know, the more I hear it, the funnier it gets. Well, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> oh. All right, let's hear from Jim. Let's hear from our buddy Jim. <laughs> hey, Awesome Will. Good evening. I wanted to ask you if what you thought of this theory. Uh, that Moff Gideon took uh, Grogu's blood sample and said he got what he needed. So I'll bet you that sample's still on the light cruiser. Um, I guess he could have sent it away, uh, you know, given, take this immediately to Exegol. Here, take this dagger, figure it out. Hmm. But um, uh, I think that the data or maybe even some of the blood itself is still on board and maybe Din could make a new fob and track him down with it if he had to. But yeah. uh, super excited to hear you guys again this week. I mean, I would love for you guys to just go over the whole season again just because it was so great and there was so much. Uh, and I'm loving looking back on the old episodes. Uh, I've got no complaints. So, all right, guys. The green has been lit. Um, so... <clears throat> I would think because Moff Gideon seemed so like sure of himself saying like I already got what I needed. I got his blood. Like I, I kind of feel like maybe that sample is already been taken care of. Right. Uh, to me, it's so vague. It can go either way. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It, it is so vague. And that's one thing, like, I always hear, you know, our buddy Robbo bring up, which I do agree with, is the tracking fobs in Mandalorian are, like, maybe the tiniest bit goofy and don't make a ton of a sense exactly how they work. Is it a DNA signature? And if it is a DNA signature, then how do you use that to track somebody? Like, to me, it almost seems like if you're being tracked by a bounty hunter, right? that you know the the whole concept is like i don't know to me it would make more sense if there's like a tracking chip put in somebody and then the fob leads them i mean yeah yeah i see what you're saying but i don't Um, know what do you mean everybody's you know i'm this is gonna sound metaphysical but like i'm sure there are biomarkers that are unique to you (laughs) Mm mm-hmm you know, like you literally leave a trail of your DNA everywhere you go. As yeah, I got me farting all the time. Body, like, yeah, it's like how everybody's got their own fart brand, right? Yeah, man, I'm fucking reaching after that. Man. <laughs> he looked hard, which he absolutely was. Which he absolutely was. Um, yeah, I don't know. I do feel like the story of Grogu's DNA. And, and what it's used for is probably still in play. Like, for one, you know, I don't think Moff Gideon is going to be in custody for too long. I think Moff Gideon will get loose or be broken out at some point and then become a threat again at some point in The Mandalorian. Don't think his story is Thrawn pulls back on his leash. Yeah, yeah, there is the whole Thrawn thing. I was going to say that I think Thrawn is is going you know going to be more um sort of confined to the Ahsoka show but all of these shows are going to converge and 
epic climactic event at some point, right? So, right. yeah, there's there's always the the possibility that Thrawn becomes, you know, an issue in the Mandalorian at some point. I'm just I'm talking about rogue Imperial generals in the galaxy doing their own thing. You know, they you'd figure they'd cross paths sooner or later. Yep. Yep. And I know he's he might be in the unknown regions with Ezra. Yeah, there's still it's a so lot. weird that that series ends that way. The more I think about it, it's I mean, it's a cliff. It's one way to cliff to, you know. It's just going to be don't interesting. Don't they jump to hyperspace on hyperspace whales or something like Perg- I think they're called purgles. And it, well the 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 whales are the ones that jump them to hyperspace. Okay. They wrap their themselves around the star destroyer and then jump into hyperspace because the whales are capable of doing that, right? They can travel through hyperspace. Okay, all right. Um uh, so <laughs> what's gonna be interesting is if the resolution of that story with Thrawn and Ezra is picked up in live action and and we get the answers in live action. Instead of animation, and Dude, if they drop out of hyperspace, the space whales and a, and a and a star destroyer, and the two of them going at it, like I don't know that anybody will know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. People will be like, "What the hell?" <laughs> I think that's, I think that's potentially why you make Ahsoka the focus, right? Right. Because you know you you cover that in the Ahsoka series, and you have Ahsoka looking for Thrawn, and then you know, by association looking for Ezra, et cetera, et cetera. And as the journey goes on, she can sort of be the the person that clues in the general audience on what's going on. Yeah. Uh, or, or what happened in the past. And it's just interesting that like, at least as far as I'm concerned, when that happened at the end of Rebels and then there, you know, there's the epilogue with Ahsoka and Sabine that... Seeing that, I was like, oh, so we're going to get, you know, another animated series somewhere down the line that tells this story. And I feel like I wasn't alone in thinking that. And I think that's right. still a possibility, but it seems like they're awfully intent on taking this into live action, which is interesting. Because on one hand, I really like, um, you know, sort of the the cross breeding of the different star Wars mediums where, you know, stuff can happen in live action and then a folk or happen in animation and then be referenced in and affect live action. Like we saw in this season of the Mandalorian. But then, like you said, it becomes pretty confusing for people that aren't die hard caught up on every piece of animation and and live action. And I don't think that's where they'll pick up that story. I just, you know, it was just, I don't know, man. But like, you're gonna want to know what happens, you know. If if Ahsoka is looking for Thrawn in her series, then I don't know how that's not where they're picking it up, you know? Yeah. It's just gonna and I think it I think there's a certain segment of people who, you know, are die hard about the animation, which there's nothing wrong with, I'm not saying there is, but I, I do think there will be, you know, probably a somewhat small um contingent of people that that sort of rubs the wrong way that like you know right we got the clone wars and then so many of the the dangling threads of the clone wars were picked up in rebels which then left you know the ended with these big story questions and then that jumps 
from animation to uh, live action. I feel like there will definitely be some people that would prefer if they just continued that story in live action. But yeah. that's where if they come in and do something real kick-ass with it, then it doesn't really matter, I would think. Right. Yeah. All right, let's check out the emails. Let's see who we got as far as emails go. <clears throat> this one is... Kota. Let's see what he has to say. Uh, hey guys, just wanted to get your opinions on an idea I had floating around in my head. What if years ago, Boba had some intimate relations with a nice lady and had a son he didn't know about, and years later, his son hears that Boba is alive and he turns up in the series, and his son is none other than Daniel Logan. I know this was kind of a, of done in Legends, but he had a daughter. But if it would be a way to keep the bloodline going and also get our boy a job in Star Wars again, let me know what you think. Thanks, Kota. Um, I am absolutely not opposed to the idea of, of Boba Fett having, you know. I honestly think it would be cool if he had a daughter. You know, that was honestly one of the cooler elements of the EU. Um, it took them a little while to get to the point where they used Boba in that capacity. I think it was in the New Jedi Order stuff Yeah, that they eventually got to that. Um, but it was cool. You know, I don't need them to, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's... You know, Boba Fett's daughter, the daughter of Boba Fett. Like, I'd be scared of her. Yeah, and, and I like the idea of Boba. Like, you know how Django passed the legacy on to Boba? I like the idea of Boba then passing the, the legacy on to someone else. Right. And, like, that would just sort of continue the myth of Boba Fett. Right. And the story of Boba Fett because... Like an infus nest kind of thing. Yeah, and kind of how, like, you know... Just because he didn't die in the Sarlacc doesn't mean that Boba can't die eventually. But that also doesn't mean you can't have someone sort of continue his legacy on from that. So I think that would be a really cool opportunity. And, like, I'm not opposed to the idea of getting Daniel Logan to do that. Like, he seems like a nice enough it, guy. And I think, I mean, the idea is that you would want to continue with that, right? And Daniel Logan is not going to grow up to look like uh, Tamora Morrison. Not that that's terrible. But no, because like, as long as he's not point, a clone, you know what I mean? Right. That's the only point where it would become difficult for me to buy as if Boba was like, you know what I did? <laughs> I, went I, I went to Camino and got myself a clone. Me and Tan we we hung out. And I got a, a clone made of myself, just like my daddy did. Like, that's when it would become weird to me. So, like, the idea of if it was just, you know, more of a, you know, a biological son, I guess, or daughter, um, would be a lot cooler to me. I don't need Boba to continue the legacy of cloning. <coughs> I don't um, think he would, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, but, yeah, I think that yeah, could yeah, be. Yeah, you could do Daniel Logan. That's fine. Well, uh, you know, I, I kind of honestly think if we're going to bring Daniel Logan back, I would be more in line with the idea of him playing Boba like post clone wars, pre original trilogy at some point. Right? Like I can buy that, you know, Boba between young man, young yeah, man, Boba. Yeah. Early on, earlier on in his bounty hunting days. And I think that would be, you know, sort of a, in one way, like, you know, 
I get the feeling that Baby Boba from Attack of the Clones is not necessarily people's favorite element of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Right? And, you know, he got to play Boba Fett, but he never got to play Boba Fett in the manner that most people associate with Boba Fett, if that makes right. sense. Right. Wearing right. the armor and stuff. So if they bring him back, you know, for some flashbacks or like if the book of Boba Fett deals with Boba Fett and different points of his timeline. Uh, oh, kid flashbacks to Daniel Logan. That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, you know, Daniel Logan, you know, current day Daniel Logan in the armor. Right. You know, I could totally buy that. And I think that would be. Is he the kid that played him in the prequel? Yes. Okay. Yes. And in Clone Wars. Okay. So. <clears throat> I could see some potential there. And like I said, I definitely dig the idea of Boba having some sort of offspring and and carrying on his legacy. And If, uh, if The Rock ended up being a Mandalorian, would you... Would you be down with that? Like Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Yeah, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Where did this come from? Well, I I was reading an interview with Tamora Morrison about how you know how grateful he was to be able to play Boba Fett and how lucky he was that they didn't give it to another Maori guy like you know the Rock or something like that. Um, I think. But then that got me thinking about. I wonder what a Rock. Mandalorian would be like, you know. I don't. Would he punch everybody, or would he have like the chain gun? You know, would he have the Rambo fifty cal laser cannon, kind of like well Johnny Favs did when he was a Mandalorian? So I'm not someone who like is just like, oh man, fuck the Rock. He's in like Fast and the Furious movies and. And stuff like that. It's not even that. Like, I think the dude is a charismatic guy. And it's clear that he's successful for a reason. But yeah. I don't know. That's one of those weird situations where it might take me out of it to see The Rock in a Star Wars movie. Right. There's just certain... There's a certain level of person that is so associated with other things to me. And this was this is definitely one of those things that's like a case by case basis, right? Yeah. Where it might kind of take me out of it. Where as hypocritical as it is, like if John Claude Van Damme was in a Star Wars movie, whew, I'd be real stoked. If Kirk Russell was in a, a fucking Star Dude, Wars movie. If Jean Claude Van Damme was the enemy, like the Imperial officer enemy who could kick your ass with like space kung fu. Dude, uh, <laughs> I would I would want to see Jean Claude Van Damme fight uh, the Donnie Yen character from Rogue One, the monk. Yeah, the issue you run into there is um, Donnie Yen would, would whip Jean Claude Van Damme's ass. Oh, I know. That's why I want to <laughs> see it. But if if Jean Claude Van Damme was in Star Wars, hard, which he absolutely was. That would be you sitting yeah. in the crowd. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. Do you know what's what's weird? I didn't bring so, it up in the show. We actually, you sort of asked me about it before we started recording. There's just been this rumor going around this week. Oh, and right. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. 
came out of the gate too strong. <laughs> I don't even know where it originated. Um, but it's this whole thing about... I'm actually trying to look for it. Um, I can tell you where it originated. Originated in like a 12-year-old girl's Zanga account. <sighs> Digital diary. Fan fiction. Yeah, I'm trying to look to where... to. Oh, no, it's We Got This Covered. Ugh. If this originated with We Got This Covered, then it fucking went way too far. <laughs> we Got This Covered is maybe one of the most unreliable sources. Garbage news. It is garbage. <laughs> it is the opposite of, he looked hard, because he absolutely was. <laughs> it was soft. So soft. Um, but yeah, there's this rumor that going around that Robert Downey Jr. is up to play the role of Thrawn in either Ahsoka or the Mandalorian or whatever. And like, no, thank you. That, that is the, okay. For me, that is the ultimate example of it would take me out of it because he is so in He's my so mind. Tony Stark. Exactly. Exactly. I don't, there's nothing about, I have never seen a Robert Downey Jr. performance that has led me to believe he would fit the character of Thrawn. You know what I mean? Like, this is not taking anything away from the dude. I love him as Iron Man. I love him in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. There's plenty of... He's not really a villain. He's not really a supervillain. And and that's not even to say that I can't imagine him as a villain. Perfect example is like, I really like Michael Keaton as Batman. He also made an excellent vulture. In yes, he did. the Spider-Man movie. So it's not even that I can't imagine him pulling off a villain, but he doesn't, to me, strike me as the kind of person you you cast as Thrawn. And I can't quite explain the difference of who I see as Thrawn versus Robert I, Downey Jr. Me, Thrawn is like cold. Yes. Icelandic. Calculated. Maybe. Like... Austrian. Aust uh, like... Uh, Norwegian. Yeah, you know, Robert Steel Downey Jr. Jaw of a of a of a Norseman. Robert Downey Jr. has sort of like made his career sort of playing the smartass, smarmy, charmy guy. Yeah, and that's not how I see Thrawn. And you know, I just for one, I I, I really should have tried to track down where the original rumor came from. If it's we got this covered, then the debates just need to stop because that's fucking fake. You know, you know, you know who this is going to sound ridiculous, but Warner Herzog would have made a good Thrawn. Yeah. As a younger man. Yeah. 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 Obviously. You know, that's what I mean. Um, I don't think the guy who did his voice on rebels, um, I think it's Lars Mickelson. He's Mads Mickelson's yeah, brother. I, I remember reading that somewhere. Oh, um, Mads Mickelson could do it. Well, see, that's the thing. If Mads Mikkelsen hadn't already been in Rogue One as Galen Erso, then yeah, I think he would have been a good choice for it too. Um, you know who they should get to play uh, Thrawn? DJ Qualls. DJ Qualls. I don't know who that is. You, look him up. You'll know who he is. Looking that up right now. He was in like uh, Road Trip. 
and the new guy. Oh no, I know who you're talking about <laughs> before I even He's he's the kid in Road Trip that he's like, It's not cheating if you put peanut butter on your balls and oh, get God. your dog to lick it off. Cause it's your dog. He looks like he's got some sort of glandular disease. Oh, oh man, you're coming in hard on DJ Qualls. I'm sorry. I was he just looks trying like to come something's up. wrong with his I don't know, pituitary gland. I'm gonna know. I'm going to cut this out of the episode and I'm going to email. We got this covered <laughs> and be like, uh, Hey guys, I know you're hearing this Robert Downey jr. But I've heard two Look, other I'm people, really close to this. The rumor mill says I, I, I've heard two other rumors. Yes. Robert Downey jr. Is in the running, but there's two other people. And one of them is DJ Qualls. <laughs> Oh. DJ Qualls as yeah. Grand Admiral Thrawn. And who's the third one, you ask? Brian O'Halloran. Dante from Clerks 1 and 2. Oh, God. He's going to add a third entry to the IMDb, baby. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are they making another Clerks? I think they are. I, Kevin Smith has been talking about that for fucking forever. So <clears throat> it seems like he'll get around to it eventually. You got to get one more out of him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that does. Well, so, all right. Uh, we have one other voicemail. I haven't gotten to listen to it yet. Um, and it's it's just an abundance of a caution. Peace and love. Peace and love. So while you were gone... Um, you know, I did a, an episode where I just sort of caught up on all the emails and from, from, um, all the listeners when we were real backed up during the Mandalorian. Right. And, uh, one of the listeners two of these Tasticlats sent in this email about Yaddle and Yoda. And it was, it was a little rough. I couldn't finish the email. It was, it was pretty rough. Right. Uh-oh. Um, and I guess he and his buddy got together and did like a voicemail version of it that I just noticed. Um, I'm going to listen to that before we play it. Nothing against you guys. <laughs> Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and I just love. Because it was a little rough. I'm not going to lie. And this is coming from the guy who, you know, <laughs> for a good 15 minutes of the episode has been trying to make this happen. Absolutely was. He looked hard, <laughs> which he absolutely was. Um, but otherwise, I think that'll do it for us this week, buddy. Thanks for um, taking the time to record with me. Thank you for taking the time to record with me. Were you uh, thinking I was talking to somebody else? No, I, I thought I, I, I thought you were listening, and then I, I didn't know if you were gonna keep playing. Oh, I, I thought we were gonna play the voicemail. <laughs> No, 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 no. Um, anyways, uh, we'll we'll see you guys next week. Maybe by yeah. then I'll be caught up on Light of the Jedi and a Test of Courage, and I can sort of fill Will in on those somewhat. Man, I'm gonna need some Wikipedia entries and stuff to keep all these characters and stuff straight. Ooh. Also, I'm hoping, and I think it's probably an inevitability because 
DK Publishing is one of the publishing partners that's involved in the High Republic thing, but I really hope they do like a visual dictionary or a character encyclopedia or something. That would really help me out. Maybe they'll do one for each phase or something. I mean, here's the hoping. Especially if this is going to be going on a while. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, If you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band who's kind enough to provide the music. They're Stoned Cobra. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Or if you can leave a review on whatever service you listen to your podcast on, do that as well. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. And until next week, this has been Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Hals Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. He was. He looked hard, which he absolutely, which he absolutely was. was. May the force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>